But even having access to my father, not using it, I was ill prepared to become a man. It sounded like both of y'all were forced to grow up. You said you were you were old so early yeah. because of the situation you were in. What what um what were you least prepared for when it came to manhood? Would you say? Um, like I like defending myself. I had no problem in that in that world or nothing like that. Like physically or yeah, just standing yeah, up for yeah. Like just defending myself. I. I I didn't have a problem, but I think it was being able to make a decision and stand on that decision um, because you knew that, like you knew your worth. They tried to count me out. I'm going to count me in. Fill up my bank account. Now I got something to spend. All right, let's get it. Welcome to the Dear Son Show. We typically have meaningful conversations about life through the lens of fatherhood. It's a little different tonight. Got two guests. It's just me. Don't say nothing about Jay Black. Jay Black is doing him. He'll be back next week. Don't get at me in the comments. Tonight, we're going to have an excellent conversation because <laughs> that's all we allow with this platform is excellent conversations. Mm-hmm. We got the good brothers from the Chop It Up podcast. Chapo, Sav, welcome to the Dear Son Show. How are you, my brothers? Man, doing amazing, doing amazing. On? Doing amazing. Brothers in here looking good, got me out dressed. Should have had a shoe cam right now because they <laughs> doing oh, it. Man, don't do that. <laughs> they nah, doing don't it, do man. And he at the house, man. I had to feel special, man. Yeah, I, I normally got on shorts, but I ain't met y'all like that before. Yeah, so yeah, next yeah. time y'all come, next if it's time next to really yeah, yeah, yeah. He about to do a layup and go to the club right yeah, after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. Definitely. There it is. There it is. <laughs> my jersey in the rafters. I don't, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> my club is around the corner. <laughs> and I check in at 9.30. What's good, fellas, man? We uh, Number one, thank you for being on the podcast, man. man Coming on the platform. Man, man. For real, for real. Yeah, ran into y'all at the um, the Love Raps event, right? The, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How y'all feel about events like that, man? What'd you get out of it? It's cool. So that was actually my first time going to something like that. Um, and to be a part of it and really just, you know, get to socialize and be yeah. an actual piece of the show, it was it was pretty dope for me. Yeah. I think uh, I think it was dope because what I am going to say, there's a different energy level um, as far as what we do when we're at our, like at where we do our podcast versus being in a public setting. Right. Because then you get in like immediate feedback. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you could say something crazy and somebody crazy. like, what are you talking about? Right. You know what I'm saying? But um, I think it was dope. I think it was definitely a learning experience for us as far as podcasters moving right. forward. So uh, we definitely need to probably do more of those. Yeah, man. I was um, I was kind of spying. I went I went because of Tim. Okay. Tim, uh, Tim Nicholas, he was on the show by the time this says a few episodes ago. Um, Men want a fairy, lo- a fairy tale love too. Check that out. But me and him kind of connecting on IG, which is like everybody's story at this point, right? And he invited, I saw him post the event and I've been thinking about doing events, but I'm in my head about it. Like, I don't have no reason not to do it. So I was like, let me go see what's going on, what the vibe is, how people respond to it. And I like it. You know what I'm saying? I don't know, I don't know how many events they've done before, but the way that they curated and just the courage to do it was really why I went. And then the, the conversations were dope. You know, they kind of kind of built up as, as the show went on, but I get that immediate feedback because sometimes the value in that is you get you get an immediate response too. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes we'll film stuff and in the edit, I'm like, mm, start second guessing myself and I'll go through this whole discourse in my head, a discord in my head about how people are going to react to it. 
for no reason, instead of just putting it out and letting let people, you know, get at it how, how they get at it. But I am planning an event in November. So, you know, we'll check the vibes and I see how we how we get down. <laughs> oh, <laughs> see, nah, yeah, yeah, see if nah, it nah. makes sense, man. But I'm trying to I'm trying to put my uh my first live experience is what I want to call it. I, I want it to be a whole vibe, not just ah, conversations, but we're gonna get to it, man. But let the people know right off the bat what your podcast is about. Definitely, man. So uh I'll take a stab at this. So we are actually a podcast that brings entrepreneurs together to be able to tell their story on our platform. Um, typically right now we've had people from the South that we brought on, but we're expanding now since we've moved to doing like online virtual interviews. So we wide open to the world, but, um, it's not a lot of black entrepreneur podcasts out there, believe it or not. Really? People to just be able to tell their story about like how they got to where they are. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've been able to give people that opportunity, you know, to come on, tell the story, how they got to where they are. And believe it or not, man, we get a lot of free game, you know, just like things that you may have been trying and we're like, hey, you go to answers to the test, right? And here. they talk you through it. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's dope, man. My um, So I joined a, po- a podcast mentorship through David Shands. I don't know if you ever follow Social Proof Podcast, but it's the same kind of um, approach where he talks to people that are, that, are, that are built businesses and that are successful and he just drills questions and he's pulling game out the whole time. Mm. So he's been at it a few years, and you're right, there's not a lot of black entrepreneur podcasts that are successful. I don't know what the count is of, because people start podcasts every day, but he's managed to break through, man. So it would definitely behoove y'all to kind of kind of check that one out and see the vibe. Yeah, he, yeah, he, a few, he a few miles up the road, and he um he's doing his thing, man. He's part of the part of the Atlanta team. Like Atlanta, they fool with each other. <laughs> you know what I'm saying in the content creation nah, space. You from Atlanta? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long? How long ago? Man, yeah. I, I've been, bro. I've been in Atlanta since I was seven. Yeah. So, and then I bounced and came out to Mississippi when I was like okay. eighteen, going to college. Okay. So I've been, I've been there. Y'all met in Mississippi. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 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 Cool. I've cool. In the swag, man. Gotcha. Gotcha. Let's talk about that, man. We 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 want to get to know the stories. Of the individuals that are on the show, man. So who who gotcha? I go, I go first. You go first. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm I'm keep it brief. I ain't gonna go yeah. too. I'm gonna keep it brief. So you wanna know like how how I came to be where I am or how I met him? We're gonna get there. Okay. okay, okay. So you Just said you're from me. Atlanta, okay, yeah. man. I want to tell me what was early life like in Atlanta, man. What was what was the what was the outdoors when you stepped off the porch? What'd you see? Okay, okay. So, so for me, right? Um I was always that kid that was around older people, right? Just because of my background with like my pops as far as like health issues wise. So like always being around um, like in hospitals and stuff like that. I was exposed to a lot at a very early age. So like person that's like 9, 10, really around people that's like 18, maybe 20 plus age. And so you kind of, when you're in the room, you start to analyze the room differently. And so you have to grow a lot sooner, right? Mm. So it was a lot of, you know, health issues that my pops had to go through. So I was always exposed, like I said, to a lot of stuff. And then when I come back home and hang out with people my age, it's not the same. You know what I'm saying? So right. it was I always kind of felt like I was in a, a weird spot because mentally I was up here. But when you saw me, I was down here. Right, right. Right. So um, that was something I was battling for a long time. But I mean, me, I was ball player. Um, football, basketball? Played football for a minute, messed up my... Messed up my foot. I had like a growth spurt, so my foot was kind of jacked up. But 
anyway, um, basketball, baseball, played baseball, great at it. My dad went pro, played for Oakland back in the 80s. So um, that was kind of like in the bloodline, right? Uh, grew up, went to um, Jackson State down in Mississippi. Um, did all four years there. Um, got my degree in music. So I do music. Uh, uh, I'm rap. I do rap. Okay. Rap and sing. Uh, Chop be pushing me to keep going. So I'm definitely going to lock in on that for sure. But um, yeah, basically uh, just been grinding it out, just trying to find my way. And I'm always like a, I don't like to just stay in one spot. I've never been a complacent individual. My mom would tell me I'm like a hustler. She remind me, she said, I always remind her of her, of her dad because he always was doing something. Right. You know what I mean? So I always try to put my hands in something. I just need experience. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like education, I think is, is amazing, but and only way you can apply that is if you get your hands dirty. Right. Yeah. So never let school interfere with your education, man. I stand by that. Um, so you, you unpacked a lot, not unpacked, but you, you, you introduced us to a lot, which is, which is, Really piqued my interest. Mm. Um, respectfully, is your, is your father still living? No, 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 no. No, no, so, so, and it's all good. I'm cool now, right? Um, he passed when I was 17, right? And um, it was, it's kind of weird. I don't know if you want me to dig into that or not, but. Um, what you come here for? Hey, you right. <laughs> Let's get to it. Right? Yeah, stuff. Let's get yeah, to yeah. it. Yeah, so, so, long story short, for me, um, my dad was diabetic, Right. So if people that know who are listening, they know what that, right. People know what that is. And so um, just to kind of run it through some stuff that's going to really probably touch some, some people, right? Um, I am people. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. At, at right now o'clock. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So in a nutshell, I don't even think I even told you this, which is probably going to learn a lot. It's always some That's what I'm saying. I probably never told you. So long story short, um, my dad was diabetic, Right. Um, since he was 17, okay? Um, when I was two years old, didn't know nothing. Had cancer, prostate cancer. He beat the cancer. Who did my father? Like, this is, this is yeah. eerie at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Had prostate cancer, yeah. okay? Um, by the time I was, like, I want to say in sixth grade, um, my dad had, like, what's called an ulcer, mm -hmm. right? Um, pretty much was killing circulation, I think, right below the knee. So he had to get his yeah, leg amputated. Yeah. yeah. And that was tough. Cause it was right before Christmas. I, I never forget when my dad did, he broke down and cried. I ain't never seen my dad cry for real. Like that's mm. probably the first time I see my dad cry. So that was pretty tough. And then found out he had a heart attack, but I didn't know nothing about it. Everybody kept it a secret. It's like, how the hell you ain't gonna tell me my father had a heart attack. I was so young though. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't, it was tough for me. So I got through that. And then he had another open heart surgery that they had to do for him. He got through that. And so he had to get a kidney transplant. He had kidney failure, right? And so my mom was the one who was a good fit, was a match, right? So she gave the kidney up, right? So five days later, the kidney rejected. So it's like, we thought we was there, back to square one. So then you already know how that works. You got dialysis. And if you know what dialysis is, you know it pulls on the heart, stresses you, stresses you out. So... Um, I never forget, I used to just go to school all the time and see my pops hooked up to the machine like it was like it was regular. So for me, my life was completely different in a in a child space. Like it was, I'm be trying to become a man, but I'm seeing someone that I grew up trying to idolize diminishing health. And it was just so like imagine trying to put a smile on every day yeah. and having to see that. So um I'm trying to think. I never forget. I I, I remember he was knocked out sleep. Right, it was early in the morning, like seven o'clock. Had to be at school at eight. 
So usually we always dap each other up, say bye, I love you, and leave. But y'all said I love y'all said I love yeah, you. Yeah, well I said it, but he was asleep. So I gave him a kiss on the forehead. Was that the norm when he was alert? Did y'all normally yeah, say yeah, I love yeah, always. Okay, that's dope. Always, Very always. dope. Yeah. So I remember I was at baseball practice because we was doing stuff in the summer or right, when the fall, trying to do workouts. My phone was dead. So me, I get extra work in because I'm just trying to get to the next level. I hook my phone up, phone blowing off the hook. Get a phone call from my mom screaming, crying on the phone. Like, what's going on? Like, I don't know what's going on. She's like, I'm trying to get to you. I'm trying to get to you. I'm like, okay, what's going on? She says, your dad had a heart attack. He was getting an x-ray. He'd been gone for 10 minutes. So they just brought him back. So now they're taking him to Emory. So at this point, I couldn't even drive. I was supposed to drive at least. Man, I took that car at that garage and ran yeah. straight over there, drove right over there. But by the time I got there, they airlifted him. And long story short, found out it was like kind of, it turned into the vegetable state. And then basically that was, that was pretty tough. Man. So, so <laughs> number one, thank you. Um, yeah, it was pretty tough. So. Thank, thank you. I deal with that daily. It's a, it's a still an ongoing battle. It's been 10 years ago. Almost. I was about to ask you how yeah, old about, you were. Yeah, it's been 10 years ago. So it's still an ongoing battle, but you know. So here, here's the, <laughs> trying to keep my composure because number one, I'm diabetic now. I found out 2018. Mm. Um, had no idea. Diagnosed myself, thought of something else. Bunch of stress-induced issues going on. And the only reason I found out I had, that I was I guess pre-diabetic at that time is I went, I just moved here. My family lived, we lived overseas and we were coming back here to put down roots. We're from Virginia, mm. right? So they were back in Virginia. I came out here kind of setting up shop, trying to find a place to live and get acclimated to the office. I go home for a wedding and like where I'm from and I'm driving and I'm getting lost because I can't, like I can't see stuff. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, where I'm like, I thought that was that street. I thought it was that street. Mm. My mom is like, hey, something's not right with you. I'm like, I'll be fine. Cool, I'm, I'm fine. Probably stressed out. You know, we just literally moved. Right, right, right. Just moved, trying to, you know, stress of the new, not a, a, a new role in a new state, same company, but all, dealing with all of that. My mom makes a doctor's appointment for me. Now I'm 38. My mom makes a doctor's appointment for me. I go there and find out I'm diabetic. Hit me with the insulin. Changed my mind. I had to make a whole life shift right then. Stop doing a whole lot of things. So the diabetes part resonates with me. My dad is a prostate cancer survivor, mm. right? That sticks out in my mind because as he was having prostate cancer, I decided to go to my now wife's military graduation from the Air Force. So he's life, life and death surgery or what could have been, I'm chasing love, right? So that sticks out in my mind. I always feel guilty about that. One of my best friends, my brother's from home, gave his kidney to his pops mm. and it rejected. Yeah. He lost him. So like this whole, I don't know what I don't know where y'all are on the faith spectrum, but I don't think anything is coincidental. Oh, so no. this whole this whole conversation is already crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. already moving me. No pressure. <laughs> oh, no. What you got? Let's get it to let's well, get into your story. I, I don't think my story is <laughs> uh is real. It's as important. But I do have a, a story, man. So uh, actually, so my situation, I never really knew my dad growing up. You know, uh, I was born in San Antonio, Texas. Um, I lived there about 15 years. My dad is from Nigeria. So You know anything more about that? Like where in Nigeria? Well, we, we building a relationship now, you know, but I'm 33 years old. You know, we just, we communicate by text message, you know. Yeah. Whole grown out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but... My dad is from Nigeria. 
met my mom in Houston, Texas. My mom was going to uh, school out there, and they ended up meeting in college. They got married. Um, you know, like in most situations, it was, you know, treating everything good. Then my mom got pregnant, and they ended up getting a divorce before I was born. Um, so, you know, my mom was in a bad situation, ended up moving back home to San Antonio from Houston to live with my grandmother. And that's pretty much where I was raised at. So uh, Southside, San Antonio, I was raised in the Valley. And um, I grew up there the majority of my life. But, man, I had like a real unstable life. Really, my grandmother was like my second parent. Because even now, just in my life, I got my mom, I got my grandmother, and my mom's brother, my uncle, probably the three main people that really just raised me. Um, so in school, man, literally I went to a different school every year cause we didn't have a stable household, you know, uh, mom couldn't really keep a steady job. Uh, you know, we moving on different sides of town when it got really bad, we go live with my grandma. I knew when we go live with my grandma, we had hit rock bottom, you know, and then my mom figured some stuff out. We get back out there. Didn't work out. I would probably say like, maybe like the turn of seventh grade, we moved to California Mm, so I moved to San Bernardino Barstow area, mm-hmm. California. Um, nothing out there. So my mom ended up meeting this guy and, um, you know, she took a chance at life trying to chase love. And we moved to California. Her and the dude didn't work out. And uh, we actually ended up homeless. And at what you know, age is this for you? I'm what, 13, 12, 12 years, 12, 13, around that age, whatever, seventh, eighth grade. Right. So, uh, we moved back to San Antonio to live with my grandfather. At this time, my grandmother and grandfather had got a divorce after 30-some years of marriage. My grandmother moved to Mississippi. She moved to Gulfport, Mississippi, because her family is in Louisiana, Mississippi area. Uh, grandfather's from the same place, but he decided to stay in San Antonio. So we ended up going to live with him. Um, so, man, we living in a project, bad side of town, just, you know, stereotypical, just bad, you know, African-American situation. And um, we ended up, like, really being homeless, homeless, like nowhere to sleep, nowhere to go, nothing. So I went to go live with my grandma, moved to Mississippi. So this was 2005. Um, We moved to Mississippi, and it's just, like, culture shock for me because my whole life I grew up San Antonio, Texas, and then I moved here to Mississippi, two totally different worlds. Um, And, man, it, it was crazy. I think just me, the person I am, I'm such a diverse person because... I've been so many different places around so many different people. And uh, I think, man, I I appreciate the time that I spent in Mississippi because I don't think I'd be the person that I am today. Yeah. Um, but as it goes back to stuff with, like, my father, I think uh, just during those times when you're a young man trying to become a man, you know, I didn't know what that looked like. You know, I had friends that had both parents in the household, um, I would probably say somebody that may have been like a father figure to me, one of my homeboys, uh, TJ, his dad, a guy named Eddie Washington, he really was more of like a father figure to me just growing up in my younger teenage years than my own father, you know. Um, I didn't really reconnect with my dad until after my child was born. I had my daughter at 28, you know. Um, but he wanted to be in my daughter's life, and that's kind of how, you know, we started to attempt to build a uh, relationship, man. But the struggle of trying to figure out like what you need to do as a man in a household with these women, 
um, with your children. You know, I, I never seen what this looks like except on TV, you know. Right. Uh, what J. Cole said, the only father I knew, Uncle Phil. Right. You know, that, that's really a, a, yeah. a true statement for me, man. Yeah. You know, uh, so I think I struggled in a lot of areas just trying to figure out, like, how this is supposed to look. Um, and just to kind of dive a little deeper in my story, man. So I got married at 27. Um, you know, me and my ex-wife, uh, we ended up getting married at 27. She got pregnant shortly after we got married, had our daughter. And, man, marriage didn't last too long, you know, but I didn't really know, you know, what a marriage was supposed to look like. We had been in a relationship for right. a long time um, since, what, 20 years old. And, you know, here I am, 28, 27, we get married. And, uh, man, just trying to maintain and make sure that was stable, man, it just, it was difficult for me because I didn't know what that was supposed to look like yeah. in a household. Just kind of going off what I see other people do, what you see on TV, what feels right. Um, so, yeah, man, like I said, uh, I don't think my story with my father was uh, as serious for most people's lives, you know, with the situation of losing and just, the illnesses and stuff, but it definitely was a incomplete situation for me just for where I am now in my life and some of the decisions that I made, just kind of where I am now. I think it's played a big factor on me just not having that peace in my life. Appreciate that, man. I want to, I want to kind of pull that thread on the, the dynamic between the two of you of having a heroic figure, figure like your dad. I think you kind of mentioned that mm-hmm. you, were, you were fond of your father and losing that, and you dealing with not having it and the dad not being there is the dad not being there, right? right? Absence is absence. But I think the stories and the impact may be different based on the trauma associated with it, right? So I want to kind of pick your story back up Mm. um, in terms of losing your father. And it sounded like it, it sounded like it happened over over a period, um, feelings of resentment, anger. Like, how did you process? How did you process it? I, I, you're still processing it, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so but immediately, and if you could hit, hit your mic, yeah, to, yeah bring, just bring it to you, turn it to you. Yep. Yeah. Um, which is a good question because uh, people kind of ask me how do I go about it, right? Um, so for me, you know, there, and this is being transparent. So like, not to go too far left, but um, growing up, I was really close with really both of my parents. Okay. Earlier on, it was more so my mom, right? Um, Basically like my best friend, always was with her, always. I mean, we're still close, obviously, right? But growing up as a kid, really close. So then as I became that teenager, getting really deep into the sport of baseball, really was connecting real tight with my dad and then going through stuff. Um, with him, watching him go through that really made us a lot closer, right? But then there was a time where, you know, puberty, me and my mom are alphas in terms of like mental, right? So we used to kind of butt heads a lot, right? And I'm really, I resent that we had a lot of those button heads, but we used to butt heads a lot to the point where, you know, we both said words that weren't the best words, right? And so with that being said, it was a rough time to where, you know, I don't think I was really living in the house for real. Right. Cause I had a pretty much like a second family that was like this next subdivision over. I would just leave and walk over there and they knew I was coming because they just knew how my situation was. So 
like I said, love my mom to death. Um, but then it was a time where my dad pulled me to the side and he said, you know, um, you only going to have two sets of parents, like real sets of parents. And so you just want to make sure that while those people are here, you let them know how you feel. The, so like as if it was your last thing, you know, saying something to them. And so once he moved on, you know, passed on, um, in a weird way, it made me and my mom have to rely on each other. And I think it really made our relationship a lot better because I really personally feel like with my dad still being around, it would have made it more, you know, not, I ain't gonna say worse, but it would have made it a little bit distant, a lot more distance in between me and my mom's relationship. But because you would have drawn more to him. Correct. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Just because he understood me. You know what I'm saying? I think at that time. Yeah. Because, I mean, as you know, people grow, people evolve. You just kind of need to adapt to who they are. Um, but dealing with it, um, for me, I was in a really, mentally, I was in a dark spot. Not like I would, you know, harm myself or anything like that, right? But um, I was just kind of lost. So it's like I was trying to figure out who do I lean on? Who do I rely to? Who can, who would understand my situation, right? Because I didn't have people that did. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in college and it's ironic. I'm playing the same position for the same school. You know what I'm saying? That he played for. Right. And he's this, this big guy, big household name on campus. Right. And then here I am trying to fulfill those shoes. But in actuality, I don't care about fulfilling none of that. I just want that relationship back. That's what I was chasing. You see what I'm saying? And so people had this pedestal of what they thought of me because of who my pops was. I was trying to find peace. Cause I couldn't, I didn't have it for a long time. And so that's what I was trying to chase. And then once I kind of was going through it, I think it's probably like my junior year, I had to realize I can no longer try to find peace as far as trying to get back to my pops, because that's no longer there on earthly wise. Right. This, that's yeah. no longer there. I need to do this for me at that point. Right. So then I started to have a different approach on how I was moving along. But I, I'm going to be honest, I really relied on a lot of my college friends because they were there to kind of mold me into the person that I am now. It was a lot of life lessons that I really didn't know while I was back at home, even when my pops was around, just because there's only so much things you can do when, when your father's not able to do certain things, right? So a lot of that, I leaned on a lot of my college uh, brothers that I have, even to this day, and it, it really helped me out. So um, I really... Um, how can I put it? Uh, I really rely on people that have good intentions, but I'm, I'm very observant. So like if I first meet you and we're like in the vicinity of people, I probably be the most quiet one in the room because I'm just trying to fill you out to see if you, you somebody I need to align myself with, or is this somebody I'm passing by? Cause that's how a lot of these people are that you come across with. So, um, but that's for me, I, I had to do that, but to end it here, um, what, what, what made it easier for me on Father's Day, and I never forget, I drove to my dad's gravesite, and I just let it all out. Recently? No, no, no. It was like a couple years ago, a few years ago. Because I, the last time I was there, you know, I kind of like blacked out because yeah. I just, it was all emotions because nobody ever asked me, hey, are you okay? They was just like, my condolences, my condolences, my condolences. And then I had a cousin, and she tapped me on the shoulder. She was like, hey, are you okay? And at that point, nobody ever asked me that, and then I just let it all out. So, but I never had that chance to just be one-on-one to kind of let that, let that settle. So then I went back for Father's Day 
And then I just had that time to myself. Because my mom was asking me, was I okay? Because she knows that's a tough time. I usually don't talk to anybody on Father's Day. I'm very to myself. But I shot her a text in my location and she knew where I was at. And so that was me telling her, like, I just needed that, that moment to myself to just get that out. So I was there for probably like an hour and a half just crying, just sitting there right by Tombstone just crying. So once I got past that, I felt like I just washed my hands clean. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't got that off. That was a lot of years of buildup that I never had a chance to do that. Um, and that was probably like five years after he passed. So like I finally had a chance to just do that myself. And once I did that, I just been able to kind of just move forward with life. Cause I already know, you know, it's nothing I got to really worry about. It was just more so me. So now I'm kind of at peace with everything, really. What, is, what does peace look like for you? Um, well, for me, peace is being able to just say, okay, this is my reality. This is what it is. Um, it's now time to um, let what was there rest because there's nothing, it's, it's protected at that point. What you, what, mm. you, what you were what you were worried about and what you were seeing every day is no longer being tarnished, damaged. You know what I'm saying? Cause when I, when you see somebody that you love like that, you see in a sense for me, I saw like nobody could touch this person, but then I started to see it being damaged as like daily. So now I know that that can never be tarnished with, can never be touched and it's protected. It's sealed. So now, now that I know that that's okay, I'm good. Like I have nothing literally to worry about. The only thing I'm really worried about, honestly and truthfully, is making sure that me and my mom are are locked in. No matter what the conversation that we don't see out of that day, we don't we don't speak or whatever. She at least she knows at the end of the day that we locked in and that we're good. So that's me. Gotcha. Yeah. Chapo. Um, let's talk about what. <laughs> at what point? Did it hit you the hardest not having a father? And if I'm not framing that properly, like, I'm sure you recognize that he wasn't there. But at, at what stage of life did it click for you that he wasn't there, but you really needed him? Two points in life. So I went through Hurricane Katrina. So, you know, we moved to Mississippi, Gulfport, 2005. Katrina happened. Man, we lost everything. And just for me to be the man of the house, to have to deal with something, I didn't even know what was going on with my mom and grandmother, my little brother. You know, I'm more of like the person that got to keep everybody together. You know, I got to I gotta step up, but I don't know what this feel like. I'm just trying to do what I think, you know, feels right, what, what I think needs to be done. Um, but, man, it's just a situation to where... And you're six at this point? No, no, no. Six, six. Katrina, I'm 14 years old. 14 years old, you know, 2005, Um, you know, so I'm trying to make sure my mom, my mom and my grandmother are good. You know, these are two older women. We in a chaotic time, crime, all this crazy stuff going on, you know, and um, I'm trying to be there for them, you know, but I really needed that support of having like, you know, a father figure there to say, all right, well, you know, this is in situations like this, you need to make sure the women of the house are good. You need to make sure everybody eat. You need to make sure don't nothing pop off at this address where we lay our head down it, you know, and it was just, it's a difficult time because I'm not gonna lie. I was scared. You know, I had never been through anything like this to see CVS fall down from my window. Cause we stayed in our apartment. We didn't evacuate the city. The military came and knocked on our door. We had to sign waivers that if we died, that the state wasn't responsible, you know, cause they told everybody to evacuate the city, basically at your own risk. 
Um, and Make we lived off East Pass Road where it wasn't too far from the water, you know, so yeah. it was wide open to everything being destroyed. I'm all for an ignorant question. Don't, don't. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, don't, don't hate me for it. Why, why didn't you leave? So my grandmother at the time, you know, she is the, we were living with her, older lady from Louisiana. She had sat through a hurricane in like the 70s. So I think she said Camille. <laughs> and, you know, she was like, I ain't leaving in. I ain't leaving gotcha. now. You know how old people, when gotcha. they stuck in their ways. You yeah. know, I think at the time, my grandmother was probably like 50-something years old. You know what I'm saying? So she just was stuck in her ways. And we in her house. And where the hell we was going right. to go? Right. <laughs> That's what it is. So, uh, yeah, man, we, we sat it out. But that was one time when I felt like, man, I just wish I had some support to kind of lean on or, or something. You know, an uncle, somebody. Yeah. Um. Man, the the second time I would probably say, man, is just in those late teenage years, man. So I played sports. Um, you know, like he had his dad to kind of rely on with the baseball thing. I played basketball my whole life, played all four years of college. But um, my mom and grandmother, they worked so much, they never had any opportunities to come to my games, or they didn't really care about sports. It was something that I cared about. All right. they cared about was the education portion of stuff. Um, but man, just to have that that support, you know, just of that father-son support to push you to go harder, to perfect your craft, to do what you want to do. Like, I'm leaning on homeboys saying, man, you can do it. But, you know, if I don't have that friend encouragement or that self-motivation, it was just difficult, man. It, it was plenty of days where I really just wanted to quit and just give up the whole sport. I didn't feel like I had any support. Um, you know, I, I used to lean on, like, my coaches to be more of, like, father figures that I had those relationships with. Um, my coach from the university I hooped at, Delta State University, Coach Thomas, we still talk to this day. Um, but, you know, when I was in that role, he really kind of understood what I had because when I got dropped off out there, it was just me. You know, wasn't nobody coming in no games. Yeah. My parents didn't come to no games. You know, friends, if they live close, they may come to one or two. But, you know, it's just trying to stay on that journey by yourself and stay motivated. And, and this is what was paying for school at the time. So, so you were nice. Was, I'm all, right. <laughs> I'm all right. I believe you because you said that because some people that say they're nice really don't. You know, so <laughs> this was this was like a, a big thing. Like, you know, I, I can't afford to to mess up. You know, this this is going to determine a lot. You know, I don't have a situation where my parents could pay for me to go to school if this don't work out. I can't screw off in the classroom. Like, you know, it just it just was a lot of pressure, man. You know, and, and I don't think my communication skills with knowing how to talk to people on how I felt. See, my mom and grandma never encouraged me to tell me, how are you feeling ever? You know, they would ask me, um, well, they would tell me, don't yeah, do this, it. don't do that, <laughs> you know, but they never would just really ask me how I'm feeling about certain stuff, you know? So um, emotionally, man, I used to just talk to my homeboys or like I said, one of my partner's dads, like I really could, be myself, you know, around here. I felt for a long time my parents didn't even know me, you know. Now at the older state where I'm more so trying to help take care of them and make sure they good, you know, they get to see a little bit more of me. But, man, I felt for a long time my identity of in my own home wasn't really even who I was outside of my own household, <laughs> you know. Man, that's, man, y'all, yeah, yeah. so November, I'm, I'm going to lock y'all in there for real. I don't know if, if y'all agree yet. Put that date on. <laughs> no, it's, it, it, the way the whole conversation is flowing, man, we we uh, we had an event last year, and it wasn't open to the public, but it was like 18 guys, and we we had a it turned into a series on identity, and they, they had 18 men from different walks of life talk about what identity meant 
or how how they misinterpreted identity throughout life is a real interesting, real interesting dialogue. And I'm I'm I like the fact that you that you mentioned that you mentioned like your emotional maturity, even being aware of what it what that is or isn't isn't is a big deal. So I commend you on that. Um I want to move into the story of you and your father reconnecting. I believe you referenced it was after you had your daughter. Yeah. Who was keeping tabs on who to know what was going on? So to be honest with you, man, I had to uh, really bite the bullet, man. I don't know. I, I I was angry at my dad for a long time, man, because I just felt like, who has a child out here that you know about and you just don't do nothing about it? Like, you just don't give a damn. You yeah. Know? And I'm like, you know, I'm seeing my mom struggle and like, yeah, we just don't have, we can't do this. And I'm just like, he has other children and stuff like that. And I'm just like, all right, so what is it about me that's making me different than, you know, what you got going on here where you at? But my grandmother is who has always kept a relationship with my dad, even mm-hmm. when stuff was just horrible between my mom and my dad or um, them trying to rekindle the relationship with me. My grandmother has always kept that relationship alive. But uh, she actually called my dad and said, your son has a child, you a granddad. Because I was like, man, I'm 28 years old. I'm about to be a parent. Yeah, I'm waste my time right. with, you know, um, the work is already done, you know. I I didn't made it out. I'm I'm not, you know, in jail, you know. Yeah. Not the stereotypical situation that, you know, a lot of p- burdens get put on folks, you know. So I'm like, cool, I didn't have a child. I'm living a decent life. Like, I just didn't feel the need to try and rekindle the relationship. But my grandmother did that. She didn't tell nobody. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, my ex-wife, my grandmother and my dad, they kind of was, in, I ain't going to say in cahoots, but that was the communication between them. They brought me in when they felt like it was time or I would be cool with it. But my daughter changed my life on just how I viewed things. Cause now I'm looking at it like, well, if I don't rekindle this relationship, if something happened to me and your mom after my parents are gone, you need to know who your family is just in case something happened. Yeah. You know? So I got to look at the bigger picture now for her. Like I got to kind of bite those bullets on some of those things and kind of make those tough decisions for her sake just because I didn't grow up with a big family, you know. Um, my ex-wife's family, she had a huge family, you know. The city she's from, man, I'd probably say 60% of the city, her family. You go in the gas station, <laughs> what's up, cuz? Then right. my uncle right here. That my little nephew, <laughs> yeah. you know. But uh, I didn't grow up with a big family, man. Literally, I count my whole family on one hand. So, you know, and they're getting old now. And so, you know, I, I always want to be in a situation to where my daughter knows who's related to her or who loves her or who cares for her. So, um, man, believe it or not, man, I, I got more friends that's like family, you know, than family. I believe you know? that. And, and I, I, blood don't make you family. Right, right. That's, that's how I was raised, man, mm-hmm. just because I got a, a small family. So, At any point was, because um, you, you reference, I'm 28 now, I'm good, the work has been done. At any part of you doing that work, becoming successful at whatever level, was any of that based in resentment or proving your father wrong? Or yeah, so- man, I say a lot of it, man, because, you know, uh, I remember my mom being on the phone with him. And, like, it's like I knew I had a dad, but it was like they, my mom never really tried to make that connection for whatever reason. She just kind of wrote him off. So that's what I did, you know, yeah. I just followed what my mom did. My grandmother was the one to tell me, you need to talk to your dad. But it's like, oh, well, mama said I ain't had to. He ain't here. So it ain't bothering me. But... I remember my mom being on the phone arguing and she was trying to handle some stuff for me and my little brother. And she reached out to him and I just remember hearing him 
um, on speakerphone just saying, like, you know, she wasn't doing a good job raising me. I was just going to end up in jail. Just all this negative stuff about her parenting. But, you know, he he's not here. He don't know what we done been through to, to get here. Right. You know, in all these situations where we was homeless, where was you at? And you got a child that I know where to lay the head or eat or, you know, and I got a little brother out here. I got to protect and take everywhere with me. I got to make sure my mom good, you know, like, so... For me, that was just passion to like, all right, well, you got to be the exception to the rule in right. this situation. And in my family, it's not a lot of men that really do what they need to do, you know, in my family. So I didn't, especially now with my daughter, I didn't want to be another, you know, just repeated person of generational things that happened. Like even my grandfather, man, you know, he was in my mom's life, but he wasn't there. You know what I'm saying? He was physically there, but he wasn't mentally there. And uh, even now, like, my mom and my grandfather's relationship, they don't speak at all, you know? And they grew up in the house together, but he just, he wasn't uh, the person he needed to be for them. And I just, I didn't want that, you know, for me and my situation. But that was a big piece of just, like, you can't quit now. You can't stop. Well, they ain't gonna, they, they gonna think you're gonna do this. You don't want your mom to look bad if you can't do this. I would probably say that's even why I finished school. You know, after high school, I I wanted to be done with it. I was tired of it, but my mom has sacrificed so much stuff just for us to be in a position to even go to school, you know, um, taking out loans and stuff like that. Just like, look, I'm giving y'all an opportunity to do something that I couldn't finish and stuff like that. Um, so, man, I just had to go to long haul, man, because I just, it was, it was too much on my back to just give up and turn around and Man, I didn't been through some situations, man. <laughs> wow, man, y'all, y'all going deep, and I appreciate that, man. That's what this this platform is for, and um, like the tagline is, "Dear son, what I wish my father told me." My father's still living, and I understand what blessing that is. But we we went through a couple of decades of not communicating well. It wasn't like we were estranged or anything like that. But at a very young age, I started kind of drifting, creating separation from my pops, man. It's like. Every time I had these conversations, man, I, I realized what a blessing it is to be able to kind of spin the block and, and, and correct some of those things. But even having access to my father, not using it, I was ill prepared to become a man. It sounded like both of y'all were forced to grow up. You said you were you were old so early yeah, yeah, because yeah. of the situation you were in. What what um what were you least prepared for when it came to manhood? Would you say? Um, like I like defending myself. I had no problem in that in that world or nothing like that. Like physically or yeah, just standing yeah, up for yourself. Like just defending myself. I, I I didn't have a problem, but I think it was being able to make a decision and stand on that decision. Um, because you knew that, like you knew your worth. Mm. So, like for example, mm. <laughs> there was a challenging time my last year playing ball there was some things that we were dancing or what we doing huh we dancing around no, the no, what we no, doing? no 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 <laughs> I, I don't want to involve too many parties <laughs> okay okay but, okay okay you know what i'm saying but long story short there was some things where uh my 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 coach and i we we were good at the beginning of the season towards the end of the season um we didn't see eye to eye right me and another close teammate of mine, we didn't see eye to eye. So we were trying to have a 
man to man conversation because you understand we come in we 18 right when we about to leave we 21 22 you know what I mean so like and then you go through a lot of hardship if you play the sport you know you go through a lot of hardship you dedicate a lot of time blood sweat tears to not just that 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 um that program but to that person right mm-hmm. um and I felt like that wasn't being respected right and so it then came to a point where I we I had to really make a decision. I felt like it was a grown man decision, and I don't regret it at all. Was and I always tell uh, people this story. Sometimes it's a difference between um, getting played and not knowing you getting played, and getting played and knowing you getting played, and you stay there. You know what I mean? And so for me, I had to start making grown man decisions, and I think that was the right step in the right direction for me. Um, and so it taught me that in life that, um, one, you always, not in a selfish way, but with a responsible mindset, right? You got to look out for yourself and you got to pay attention to when somebody truly has value for you and when they don't. And if they don't, you need to, when you recognize it, don't try to, don't try to, you know, push it to the side, acknowledge it. This ain't where I need to be at. And you need to go somewhere else. Cause if you stay there, <laughs> it's going to get worse. And then you go, you, the next thing you know, years go by, you know what I'm saying? Then another situation in life and it still go by. And then you never matured from that situation. You see what I'm saying? So like, for me, I think, um, that's, that's something that if I had a, my dad around or a male figure around during that time, I could have made that decision with more confidence Versus second guessing, because I'm I've always been that loyal type of person. You finish what you started. Yeah. You don't leave. You stick through it. Well, I'm gonna be honest, if you did me some type of way, I don't care how long we've been loyal. All it takes is one time to where I'll be like, that's who that is. And this is the last time we gonna be right beside each other. Call it what you it know is. What I mean? yeah. So that's me, you know. No, nah, that's that's though. We've been talking yeah. about um what it means to be worthy. As a man, and I'm I'm several years. I couldn't exactly be y'all's dad, but if I was active really, really early, I could be y'all's dad. I definitely could probably be borderline. <laughs> you probably. know what I'm saying? But it was um like men recognizing their worth, right? And sometimes when we make mistakes early, we put we we create a ceiling based on our mistakes. No matter how much work we've done, no matter how much corrective action there's been, no matter how much we've changed. Sometimes we limit ourselves, our ability to see ourselves differently and beyond our mistakes. A lot of men don't do that. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, so it's, it's dope that, um, that you learn worth and you're aware of your worth at whatever age that was. And you, you say you're 30. No, no, you, no. How old no, are you no, now? No, no. <laughs> how old are you now? <laughs> All right, so, so. How old are you now? Right now, and this, you probably going to take a deep breath. So I'm me, I'm 26. Definitely could be. Yeah, so I'm 26. I but the it. thing is, is like, see how you jump <laughs> yeah. to the gun? Majority of people will think that I'm a 32-year-old, 31-year-old. Well, I was, trying to, I was trying to make the math math as you were talking. Yeah. And and I slipped up on your... I was thinking, <laughs> I said 2005 and 95. I was, I was like, you were six. My math was wrong on you. <laughs> but um, but nah, knowing, knowing your worth is a real thing. I got... So I have five kids. I got... My uh my oldest will be 20 on Monday. So I have a 20-year-old, right 17, 16, 10, and 8 right now. We've got a, a couple more birthdays left in the year. And as a parent, I've limited my value based on where I failed them at times. Right. And and they'll they will their opinion of me is not my own opinion of me, right? Because I'll focus on, on where I've slipped up and I, I want to focus on where I need to work, right? But you also got to celebrate what you're doing well. Mm. And that's something if y'all, if, if, if you don't have that in you and you can pick that up early enough, it'll save you a lot of heartache and a lot of questioning who you are and your value at different phases of life. Nah, for real. Because you might understand your value at 20 whatever, right? But if you don't mature past 20 something, at 35, you might not see, you might not value yourself, right? Because you didn't grow mm. with, with, with the, like, you just had time. You had mm. more, more time on the earth not more experience and wisdom. So um, very, very, very valuable um, self-awareness aspect of, of knowing your worth and ensuring that um, when you question it, you have conversations about it. I mean, even if that starts with you, mm. right? Because sometimes we <laughs> we try to value ourselves based on what we see in others and, and, and what we see of them is their skin, right? We don't actually see what they're masking with that. So I think that's, I think that's dope, man. Yeah, you you about to say something? Oh, I was gonna answer the question. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I think for me, man, the one thing that I probably really would need it, uh, it would probably be the decision making as well. But on the aspect of how to run a household or a family, because that's the one thing that I just feel like mm. I'm really wanting to be great at. You know. Um, now, you know, situation with my daughter, I do everything I can to make sure she got what she need, got what she want. I communicate with her every day. But at a younger age, man, you know, you hear your parents tell you, save your money. But, like, nobody encouraged me to say, hey, you know, you got a job, you're doing all right, go buy your house. You know, your, your parents are supposed to say, hey, this is how you do it. You go get your house, you go do this. 
Um, I just think, man, a lot of the beginning things that some people take for granted, you know, is I really needed at that point because I had to go through a whole bunch of jumps and hurdles and, you know, fall and bump your head a few times to really just figure out like, all right, you don't need to do this again. You need to try it a different way, <laughs> you know. And I know it's not necessarily no one way to do anything, but I was just out here in the blind, you know. Uh, I ended up getting on with a company at a really young age, and I was doing okay. But when I was doing okay, I had nobody that was guiding me, like, all right, you need to be doing this, you need to be doing that. I'm looking at what some of these other people have, and we got the same job. And I'm like, what are you doing different? It has me in this situation and you in this situation, you know, talk to me. What what can I learn from you? Mm. And when I stopped being shy and I just started to get out of my shell and communicate with people, I really learned that, man, when they say free game, like you can just sit down and have a conversation with somebody, yep. somebody just telling you what they did, and you're like, okay, well, I know if I go left, it's a brick wall. I know if I go straight, it's a brick wall, but I can turn and go another way. But I know if I go this way, I might not have no roadblock. You know, so, um, man, just that aspect of stuff for me, man, is just big. Because even now at 33, I feel like I'm not in a bad position, but I'm just thinking about if I know, if I would have known then what I know now, you know, like, I feel like, man, I just could have been life-changing, <laughs> you know. That's wild, man. We all, <laughs> that's what my partner says when, when he intros the show, telling you now what we wish we knew then, right? That's what that's what the whole platform is about. But here's why I bump my head. Some people think it's um bashing myself. It's it's no, I I genuinely want you to understand the mistakes because experience is the best teacher, but you don't always have to have the experience. Correct. Give me the experience of somebody else. That becomes wisdom to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Wisdom is the ability to navigate a situation without the benefit of the experience. I don't need to, like you said, you bumped your head, got it. I don't need to prove you right. Mm-hmm. I just, okay, you bumped your head over there, cool. I can learn something for you. Even if it does, it's not telling me where to go, it's telling me where not to go. So I, I, I developed that, um, that appreciation for information from others because I was, I think you mentioned earlier, like you're, you're the one that observes in the room. Mm-hmm. Like 10 years ago, there would be no podcast because I don't, I don't people. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? I don't really, people on the highlight, even now, I like having meaningful conversations, but just surface interactions, hate it. Trying to get better than that because you got to network and do all of that. But uh, I was always one to observe and sometimes I would over-observe and not ask. Like you said, when you start being shy, for me, it wasn't being shy. It was me thinking so highly of what I know to the detriment of not understanding what I didn't know. I can figure it out. I don't need, I don't, I don't need information from you. It, I can, I can look at you and read you and come up with an assessment, which was, 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 was some crap, some BS, right? But just being open to conversations. And that's a lot of what I'm learning on this platform over the last couple of years is that um, number one, I'm not the only one going through something. Right. <laughs> some, pe- yeah. some people some people are going through or have gone through and there's value in both. There's value in having that battle buddy. And I'm sure y'all get that in sports. Like, who is your guy? That, mm-hmm. that person that kept you accountable when, it, when you was getting low. Being open to that, I wasn't always open to that. And I think I lost a lot of years of success with my family, success in my corporate career, 
success in life in general, but just being too proud, not, um, not boastful or anything like that, or suggesting that I'm better than somebody else, but I just limited myself so much from getting information from people that were willing to give it to me. And so that's, that's key, man. Yeah. Like this, I'm pretty sure we all have had a refund in college at some point in time, <laughs> man. And what does everybody it's do with a refund? That's 1200 You know what I'm saying? But just having that guidance of somebody saying, hey, man, go put that refund in the IRA and leave it alone. And when you're 30 years old, you'll thank me later, you know? Small stuff like that, man. You know, I didn't even know what an IRA was until a couple of years Boy, ago. Boy, I have, I have fumbled the bag <laughs> a few times. I, like, I don't know. I always, I don't know why my wife trusts me so much. Like, it's, she overtrusts because <laughs> I didn't. I wanted, I wanted to ask a question, piggybacking off y'all too, for y'all being fathers. So for, for you, um, you got five kids, right? So do you think you're a better parent with your last child than you were with your first? Not even close. Okay. It's experience. Yeah. What was your bad average when you started and when you finished? It's true. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. And it's... Yeah. um. And, and see, and that's, I'm glad you said that because that's as normal as that is and as logical as that is, that was one of the things that I felt guilty about. Mm. And it was almost paralyzing. So sometimes you feel guilty and you're overparent in the other direction. And sometimes for some people, it's like, ah, uh, <laughs> do I still home or not? I, th- I think I can. I think I got the speed, but like it's, that's probably bad. I didn't play I baseball. Get, no, no, I, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I didn't play, no, I I play baseball. I never you. stole home. I, it wasn't my you. thing. Um, but yeah, just, um, being able to, um, forget your last shot, forget your last at bat. Cause you got to continuously shoot. You got to continuously bat. And that's like that with the kids and I'm not objectifying them, but there were, because I didn't, I went through the period of where I wasn't talking to my father or, or having meaningful conversations that turned to me being embarrassed to actually tell him about stuff that I was failing at because I was like, when he was trying to give me the game, I didn't want it. And now that I need it, I'm too embarrassed to ask. So let me prove to him that I actually understand it by figuring it out on my own, right? And I wish, again, I wish I had doubled back early, but there were things that um, I, we just didn't, I didn't understand what it took to run a family. I saw what my father did, if that makes sense. So I always say coming into marriage and parenthood, which were, we, I mean, I'm a, we're a blended family. So the, we, we came into it with, uh, my wife already had my oldest. And I did what I what I remember seeing that worked in that house. Now, there are things that principles, like things that I believe men should do and things, some skill sets you should have. I had those, but being able to communicate with them. Like, I'm still knowing, knowing how my tone influences the tone of the house. When I'm thinking, just give me a minute. But my face is saying, get away from me. And if you never say anything, <laughs> you just got a confused household. Mm-hmm. Right? And for me, I'm, I'm kind of, um, like, I knew how to use words in a way to when, when the words that I used were repeated, in and of themselves, did, they weren't damning. But the way I delivered it, the, co- the context and how I delivered it, my facial expression, my body language, but I could say, well, all I said was this, right? Trying to, trying to uh, make it something less than what it was. I didn't know how to deal with 
conflict in love. Because until my wife, the first sign of crazy, I'm out. That's fair. Like, you, you ain't got like a lot of men like, like that. You ain't gotta, yeah. No, you, you ain't got to prove nothing to me. I don't need to see it. Yeah. Like you, you, you yelling at me on the phone. Oh, you don't want to talk to me. Because I don't, I don't accept that. So cool. Be blessed. But I actually, sometimes I overplayed it to where it wasn't as serious as I made it. But because I was already in that motion, like, oh, no, nah, that, that looked like crazy. No, 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 I get that. I've been <laughs> down that road a few times. That looked like crazier, you know what I mean? Yeah. And if it worked or it didn't work, it, you know, we are what we are. But um, just having those, being able to express my feelings to my wife, it's, today is a challenge sometimes because it's not so much um, me being embarrassed now it's how much can she handle? We got all of this going on. Yeah. I think about the bigger picture. <laughs> yeah, we got all of this going on. If I mm. if I look like I'm folding right here, she could very well handle it, but now I'm answering questions that I never asked her. Mm-hmm. Be careful of the conversations that you have in your head and the way that you treat others based on the conversation they were never part of. That's real. That's the that's the that's the no, that's that was my true. issue. All of this is in my head. Man, she gonna say, she gonna, man, she ain't gonna. Years I did that. When I finally talked to my wife, she's like, go, go out. Like, <laughs> yes, go hang with your boys. Like, I was just putting that on her that because I'm a husband now, I gotta be like this. Cause I never saw my dad. My dad won't hang out. Mm-hmm. Like, my, I've never heard my dad play anything other than gospel and uh, maybe a couple of Lionel Richard Jones. Friends of distinction. You know what I'm saying? He w- it was always what would God think that was his approach. And I get it, but I thought we weren't, I could he couldn't relate to me. So if I'm out here and I'm I get it, I get pulled over and I got a uh an alcoholic beverage, I can't tell him. Like how would he understand that? Mm-hmm. Until later I re- <laughs> we started talking. He's like, I've been in jail. Like, man, what? <laughs> You got arrested? Yeah, you, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he like that. Like, what? You, yeah, you smoke cigarettes? Like you, you trying cigarettes? So, you you know, and that's what I try to, part of what this platform is and me and my relationship with my son is, I don't want to get to the age, I don't want to get so far down the road that when he's 30 and I'm 60, we're celebrating traumas that he could have avoided if I just told him about mine. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's man, <laughs> talking about that. It's like, I, man, I could have used that at 22, mm-hmm. but I won't talk to him either. So, you know, what, what do you, what do you do? For you, man, what, um, if you have ambitions of fatherhood, what, what, what are you more, most concerned or fearful about that whole space? Do you win, man? Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> Social media. Mm. Social media, because. I'm not going to be around my kid every time. You know what I mean? And I, I can, I'm thinking about the times I'm, where I've been at and my parents ain't been there and what I learned when they weren't there and what I went through when they weren't there. And what what wasn't recorded that yeah, I did. Yeah, <laughs> and all of that. And so I'm just like, and, and the social media game, what's real, what isn't, them being so young, trying to decipher the difference, being easily influenced, um, feeling like, Certain things are okay because it's online. Like, just trying to create a balance. Mm. And I think for me, if 
if or when I have a kid, right? Um, I would really have a realistic conversation. Like I think when my when my childhood, my parents didn't really um go in depth about a lot of their flaws. Like for example, my mom used to be married. I know nothing about that guy. I tried to ask because I just was curious. Why? What went wrong? You just hit a whole nother topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, I asked what went wrong just so I could know. You know what I'm saying? It may affect me in a way that can benefit me in my relation. Oh, he was just crazy. But what does that mean, though? It's very broad. That can be anything. So, like, for my dad, my dad has two other, two other daughters. He once was married. Then he had a girlfriend. And then he married my mom. But what really happened, though? It's very, because it could be a trauma thing, a trauma type of situation for him that he may not want to dig into. But for me, do, I don't think parents realize how important it is to be vulnerable with your kid. Nah, for real. Be vulnerable because then it's always that parent, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm mom, I'm dad, your son, stay there, be in a child place. But what happens when I'm no longer a child? What happens when I'm no longer a child? And I don't have nothing to relate to to where I can express there's certain things in life my mom does not know I've ever been through in my life but I guarantee you if she had opened up or if we had those types of conversations that too or she would there would be a very deeper connection yeah. from a mom to son or even dad and son but very reserved very you don't need to know that it's not that important it's just certain things that they don't want to talk about and so for me having if I have a kid I, I would just really want to let them know. Cause I've learned a lot more when people, unfortunately, when they pass than when they're here. It's so much stuff I learned about my dad in an hour, two hour uh situation at his funeral. Never told me. But my uncle, when he gives a eulogy, so much stuff I never knew about. That man was amazing. I didn't know that though. You know what nobody told me. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like social media creating balance. And being able to be vulnerable with my child, to let them know that I'm also, I was once a kid just like you. So don't shy away from telling me. Now, I'm a, now if you was off, you know, you ran out now, you went off the deep end. I'm going to definitely correct you on some stuff. Yeah. But I would tell you, you know what? I get it. Let me tell you what happened with me back in the day. So I know exactly where you're coming from. But to prevent that from happening again, this is what you X, Y, and Z. Yeah. If I can have, if I can create that relationship to where, you respect me as a parent, but then we can also be vulnerable with each other. I think long term, they'll turn out a whole lot better. Yeah, yeah man. that's how I feel. I think for me, man. So back to piggy up, piggyback off the question you asked him. Um, I think for me raising my child now, it's the education standpoint of knowing how to make decisions. You know, I'm gonna educate my daughter. She's five now. I'm teaching her the value of money, teaching her how to save. You know, she has a little game where she puts money in the bank now, you know, but these things that wasn't communicated to me at an early age, you know, there were struggles in my adult years. Um, I'm trying to implant those seeds now so they can grow at an early age. So at 18, my daughter can say, yeah, you know, I know about Experion, TransUnion, Equifax, FICO. Uh, I didn't know who none of these people were until <laughs> yeah. they called you. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know who none of these yeah. people were. I remember trying to get a washer and dryer in 2013 at Sears, and they were like, yeah, we Sears. need your social. And I'm like, yeah, I think 
my mom said I got that at home somewhere. I'll be back. I can go get it. Didn't I didn't even know, know my social. social at 23, you know? So wow. I go home, I get my social, and they run it. They were like, yeah, uh, can't give you a washer and dryer. I'm like, wow, I got a job. I make decent money, you know? Yeah, you don't have any credit. Mm, How yeah. did I get credit? <laughs> no credit is bad you credit. Gotta, you gotta <laughs> go work with somebody small and just keep paying it off and it'll grow. Yeah. I'm like, wait, this don't make no sense. But nobody educated me. I didn't know anything about none of this stuff. So how I ended up building credit, my ex-wife at the time had a 750 credit score with no job. <laughs> you know, what her parents did was they User. used to add her on yeah, their credit user. cards. At 18, she got a 750 credit score with no job. So yeah. she got a Capital One credit card, added me on there as an authorized user. You know, yeah, you we will. bought a few, <laughs> a few pair of shoes and paid it off. And then they sent me a card. I get a letter in the mail. Hey, you want a credit card? But it, it would be the education piece of things and just knowing how to make um, decisions, not make impulse decisions. I've made a lot of impulse decisions where I'm like, I want to do it, I want to do it. I'm just going to do it there because it's, it's right now. Yeah. You know, how to make long-term decisions. And my mindset now is more focused. Like, I'm more on, I want to do something that's going to be better off in the long run. I'm cool with chilling. I didn't have patience for a long time, mm. you know. That's another thing, you know. Nobody really taught me the value of patience. I always wanted stuff right now. I got to have it now. You know, I'm seeing it in my face now. You holding it over my head. Why would you do that and I can't have it now? You know, so teaching my daughter patience, teaching her just the value of educating yourself and knowing how to make a decision. Those are the things that I'm trying to instill and the stuff that I'm doing to be a better parent. Um, but then to piggyback off of the question that you asked him, um, like as far as stuff that I didn't realize how effective it was, like eating dinner together, you know, <laughs> it's I can only name maybe two to three times in my life that me, my mom, my little brother, and my grandmother had sat down at a table and ate dinner and said, how was your day? How was your day? Maybe three times. You know, holidays, my grandmother was a Jehovah's Witness. She didn't celebrate holidays. So we ain't do nothing on no holiday. Yeah. To this day, Christmas, Thanksgiving, birthday, any of this that come around, it's just another day. Yeah. Be appreciative to be alive. That's how I was taught growing up. So now, you know, you got friends like, man, it's my birthday. I'm going out the country. I'm, I'm like, dang, like, I want this passion y'all got <laughs> for the day y'all got here arrived on earth, you know. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, man, just the small aesthetic things that I think a lot of people take for granted, man. Like, just sitting down with your family every day just to see how people's day went and eat together, man, that's big. And I didn't get a chance to experience that until I was married um, with my with my family and my ex-wife's family. And I'm like, man, y'all all come together. It's so fun. It's like... Uh, Poetic justice, man, at the barbecue. You know, right. like I'm like, man, it's like this for y'all. Every time y'all sit down and eat, like, why did my family not want to do this? Like, yeah. this would have made us so much closer, man. Like, I just remember when dinner was cooked, food ready. Everybody just go in their room. Just get your plate, go in your room. Yeah, we you we know? struggle with that now, man. Every every couple of months, I, I try to reset. Like, we gonna have breakfast on. We gonna have breakfast on Sunday. We gonna like negotiating and it sounds crazy even me saying negotiating a couple of days a week we're gonna sit down together but that yeah, was the norm that was the norm for me and it, it's um it brings up another point and y'all definitely gonna be there in november because uh, <laughs> 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 we ain't gonna be able to get all of it but even even having the um the maturity to have that conversation with my wife before we got married like what do you expect mm -hmm. here's what i understand about 
life, hear, hear, hear things that are important to me, like religious belief, like even taking for granted what your religious beliefs are, their nuances and that. Like I had family that was Jehovah's Witness. They, <laughs> they came to my wedding, but wouldn't come in the auditorium, like in the sanctuary. They looked through the window and I was like, wow, that's weird, right? I grew up seven day of innocent, like sunset Friday, sunset Saturday was a Sabbath. We couldn't, I wasn't allowed to play sports or do anything secular, right? But for people that live like that, that's the norm. And you don't realize how abnormal or how different it is it's until you get, you know, changing, you get to somebody else and you think it's a small thing. But when you go through conflict, you default to what's been programmed in you. So while it's all good, y'all can go to church three different days a week and it's, it'd be all good until y'all got a conflict that you got to resolve. And now you got a, a fundamental mm-hmm. difference, right? And thinking about things like that or... Is it important to eat at the table together? Is it important to go on vacation? What's the what's how we feel about overtime? Is the money more important than actually being at home? Like I spent a whole lot of time getting the money in corporate and had to relearn my family. No, I, I think that was the cause of my. Well, I ain't no think that was the cause of my divorce. I was so focused on riding the corporate ladder, I was lacking staying at work eight nine o'clock at night. When I get off, I don't want to talk to nobody. I've been talking to people all day. Let me relax. Well, when I feel like talking. Everybody sleep. Well, we try again tomorrow, you know? And tomorrow turn into next month to six months to, damn, well, we ain't really sat down and did nothing. And then you start so justifying Yeah, you start justifying it because how do they not understand I'm, I'm dedicating, I'm sacrificing to provide this life, but you don't actually have a life with them. Correct. So if I can give you some game from a couple <laughs> blocks up the road, um, be careful of giving your family the rest of you and not the best of you. Nah, that's real, Because it's, it's easy to justify that. I just work 16 hours, whether you're working in a steel mill or you in corporate. The grind is the grind. You're not there, you're not there. And for me, it turned into frustration because... Trying to figure that balance out. It, well, even after... And I don't even believe in balance. Like, I, I don't want to put that on your spirit, but balance is a myth. Like, what needs you gets you. Mm-hmm. Like, especially having more than one kid... It doesn't work like that. I can't go, oh, you're two hours a day, you're two hours a day, you're two hours a day, that's yeah. 10 hours, and I ain't even talking to my wife, right? So it, it's being able to recognize who they are and parent them for who they are, and you can only do that in close proximity, mm-hmm. constant interaction. You can't do that from on the road, you know what I'm saying? It don't matter what's hitting the bank account. If your deposits in your family ain't there, it's, it's, it's a wrap, man, and... um. I think it's the same thing, man, with your yeah. friends too, man. Like mm-hmm. I said, your, your circle. He'll tell you, man, like, um, we really just now got to the point where, you know, we're we're growing a lot closer now over the last year or two, you know, when we made this transition out here. But holidays, you don't go home, see your family, you come over here, be with mine. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's healthy in friendships as well because, yeah. like I said, for me, a lot of times my friends have been my family. Yeah. You know, and even... If your family is not here, you know, your friends feel like family to where you may want to relocate or go somewhere else to where you're like, oh, man, I got family up there. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So Yeah, we learned the value of uh, a family when, when family was all we had. So when we lived overseas, nobody, we, nobody was accessible. Mm-hmm. And we were like nine hours ahead. We lived in, in Dubai for a few years. So even just taking things for granted, like picking up the phone and calling. When you think about it, oh, they sleep. It's 2 a.m. You know what I'm saying? So we got so we got so used to it just being us that now we're just coming out of that shell over the past couple of years since we've been back. 
because we were used to not having access to Anybody. people that we trusted. Mm -hmm. There were people there, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but yeah. it's like, you're not family and it's not because you're not blood. You just, you don't even qualify as family. Like you're <laughs> acquaintances. So it's, um, I, I, I think just hearing how you speak about what's important to you and your, uh, and your daughter and she's five. Wow. Man, you're on the right track, bro. You're on the right track. You being open to the information before you even in that situation, you definitely light years ahead. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's cool just to understand this, brief parts, the, you know, this brief part of each of your stories. And, uh, and I appreciate it, man. We're going to, um, we're going to wind down, but I definitely want to circle back to, to the chop it up podcast. Let's talk about that, man. What's the, what's the vibe? What y'all getting into? What, what, what are your goals with the podcast? Man, we making moves right now. Oh. So, uh, we just, we wrapped up season one. We pre-recorded everything. So we have a few more episodes that we're releasing that'll probably get us, you know, to maybe mid part of the fourth quarter of the year. Okay. Um, but man, we we got a lot of big things in store for the future, man. Well, we definitely are are growing, you know, in the industry. Um, we literally woke up with an idea one day and just rolled with it. Like, I think he was at work and he's like, "Man, I'm thinking about starting a podcast." I said, "It's crazy because I was thinking about doing it." I was like, "All right, well, you know, let's see how it go." Yeah, made the Instagram page and it just kind of was rolling with it. But um, man, we got season two that we look in the premiere um, first quarter of next year. Okay, um, new scenery, new sets of uh, guests coming on the show, um, different types of topics to, to be able to talk about to just kind of expand and dive a little bit deeper. Yeah. than what we've already been discussing, man. So. We got a lot in tune for it, man. And um, even now, just through the episodes that we got coming out, we got a, a couple of special surprises that we gonna shock a lot of people with that they probably wouldn't expecting from us. I'm here for it, man. What's the what? What is the podcast process taught you about yourself? Communication. Um, being able to sacrifice your your overall opinion and be willing to listen to, to the other person because right. We both bring a certain skill set. Mm -hmm. That's why we're doing it. That's why it complements each other. That's why it works. But sometimes I may have an idea and it's my idea. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have to be considerate of, well, what would chop think? Yeah. Right. And so I call him and I pick his brain to see if it aligns. Some days it's, uh, that's crazy you say that. I was thinking the same thing. Maybe a day where it'd be like, yeah, I want, I'm not feeling that. Yeah. But we, I'd rather us be like completely honest with each other yeah. and, 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 and not sugarcoat it. Because when you sugarcoat it, I'm still feeling a way up here and I ain't told you nothing. And then that can bring animosity that's unnecessary. Talk I to that know. person. <laughs> yeah, I know you. Yeah. I be with you every yeah. day. Like, I talk to you every day. So why not be transparent? Um, and then it's, I think, because we're both, um, like, hustlers mentally. Yeah. We're always pushing each other. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's more so in accountability, creativity, um, or whether it's just, hey, I think highly of you as an individual contributor to this. I want you to go harder in what you're doing, right? And so I think um, 
that's what I've learned from from a podcast. And then also to work in my regular job has brought some skill set in there as well. So that's um so I can I can say even though people kind of have a 50-50 opinion on how they feel about jobs and stuff like that, I'm not gonna lie, to a degree, <laughs> that structure does help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it does help. So that's that's how I feel though. A job is a a job should be your uh, your master's program. Your peer, you should be in there stealing information. This definitely what's going on <laughs> though. Yeah. To be clarified, not stealing information in legal, but get get in the game, man. Yeah, yeah, man. I I really think that uh we push each other to be better than who we thought we were. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. and it and it and it helps us out because you know everybody looks in the mirror and thinks, all right, this is who I am. You know, somebody else may see more than you. And we we really push each other, you know, to get there. Like, I think for me, what I've learned, I had never talked ever on a microphone, publicly on a camera, in front of anybody prior to this podcast. He make music. I said, well, you perform. Right. You be out there with them people. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. you, you do this. So I'm I'm really learning from him how to be comfortable on a microphone. So yeah. it's like, all right, well. When we do the show, it's just us tripping out with somebody that we don't know right. sitting in the living room <laughs> or sitting wherever we at, you know. So uh, I think, the, like he said, the communication aspect for me is just learning the delivery, how to talk, to be able to bring the emotion, the vibe. has helped me not only with the podcast, but in my everyday life at work with presenting and doing other things like that. Um, it's taught me a lot, you know. Like before doing this, I don't think... I could have came here today and gave you these answers. That right. I gave. Or I'd probably been like, yeah, man, I don't know. Give me a second to think about that. You know. Was it worth the time? No, nah, definitely. Nah, yeah, man. yeah, for sure. Because cool, cool, cool. I'm going to be honest, I, I, probably even on our show, I probably wouldn't have said most of the stuff I didn't yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, at the same time, it's all about the environment. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If it's a genuine environment and I feel like it's not used in a malicious light, I don't mind sharing my story because there's somebody on here that's probably going to watch this and they're going to be like, guaranteed. Man, finally somebody understands what I've been trying to say to somebody else, but I just don't know how to say it. Guaranteed. And I can that's, just relate. That's big, man. Um, I think sharing stories helps a lot of people. Absolutely. Know? I'm uh working. I, I haven't said this publicly yet, but I'll say it for your show. Exclusives. I'm working on a documentary in my life. As you should. A movie. As you should. We're gonna put it you out. You shooting it? Uh yeah, I'm I'm okay. building a team right now. Okay. Um, but my goal is to release it February 2025. I've reached out to everybody that has played an influential part in my life, whether it was a friend, family member, somebody I fell out with. Yeah. Like, because if I didn't fall out with you, I wouldn't have made this decision to do that. You know, um, but yeah, you know, that, that's what I'm working on now to t- tell my story. Because for a long time, people d- don't know a lot about me. A lot of my yeah. Mississippi friends like, man, I didn't know you lived in Texas. I've been knowing you 15 years. <laughs> yeah, I'm born there, Texas, social everything. You know, but- that's dope. I've never really, I always, because I moved around so much, I never really got close to people to where they would really know about me. You just know me from the day I meet you going right. forward. You never really know the past. And now I'm starting to open up a little bit more and be like, yeah, this is how I did this. I've been yeah. here. You know, so. Tell your story, man. It's, it's important, man. It's, um, and as long as you're, like, it's, it's purpose-driven, this is my opinion. If it's, if it's purpose, purpose-based or purpose-driven and you're approaching it with like a pure heart and your your motives are intact, I think it's gonna fly, man. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna land where it needs to land at whatever point it's supposed to land there. You gotta be okay with that. Yeah. All right. Um 2025, that's realistic, cause 
the the doc, I started a health documentary about a guy who is our our age, my age, not our age. He's forty. I think he just turned forty three. Ex Marine, retired Marine, in great shape. Um, goes out to breakfast one morning, has a heart attack. Mm. Didn't know he had a heart attack. Just kind of peels off, goes to the bathrooms, like some indigestion, comes back to the table. They leave breakfast. Uh, they go about their day, him and his wife running errands, and he's like, I think I need to go to the hospital. She drives to the hospital, and within 30 minutes of arriving at the hospital, he's getting stents put in his arm because he was having to, he had a STEMI. Like the, I think that's the Kevin Samuels, the more, I guess the more recent notable um, victim of that. But yeah, and then talking to his father when they were communicating with his dad, letting know what's going on with the son's health, his dad then tells him, yeah, I had four heart attacks. Crazy. Never talked about it before. Family had, medical history. Had he talked about it, they probably would have done different health screen because he's, again, retired Marine. He was runs every day, two or three miles or whatever, in great shape. And they were, um, they would do an EKG, but that doesn't tell the full story. It's like, you got, I forgot what the, with actual, like a sonogram, but for your heart. Terrible way to explain it. But I ended up going because of him. Like, I, I have his doctor now, and just things that we take for granted or things that we try to put off because we don't want to dis- we don't want our lives being disrupted to disrupt the lives of our family can ultimately cost your family you. Correct. So I, I'm, I'm, however, Number one, I'm gonna be a fan of your documentary, whatever comes out. But I'm on that path. If 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 I can tell you a mistake that I made or anything you wanna um, that I can lend my assistance to, let me know. Nah, definitely. Because not. the platform is about the platform is not about me being in front of the camera. I am viciously working my way into just being production. So I got a ton of different shows, documentaries that I want to shoot, and um, this is more. It's keeping me accountable in my relationship with my son. And I realize the impact that it's having with men that are telling their stories. But for me, it's also a business call. Like, this is what we do over here, the network. You know, that's what I said. It's led to a, um, a second career in, in, uh, in production, which is really cool. So the numbers don't tell the story, man. The likes and the shares don't tell the story, man. You got to keep telling your story. Um, because you, you never know who's watching and you don't need to know who's watching. Just know that somebody's, the right people are taking it in and it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit when it's supposed to hit, man. No, definitely. Anything else y'all want to shout out, plug, or uh, where can they find you? Yeah, man. So I just kind of want to shout out a couple of uh, entrepreneur life journeys I'm tackling right now. Um, I got Chop Shop Boutique. It's an online boutique. Uh, sell sneaker and herbal apparel. So it's at chopshop.boutique on Instagram. Um, I'm also a graphic designer, so I design a lot of the clothes for my boutique. Um, I go by L the Artist. I got tatted, you know, on my arm. So mm. I've done a lot of work for um, just a different realm of people. Done celebrity work, done uh, local work, club work. So uh, that's at L the Artist USA on Instagram. And then now currently, you know, we're working on our host skills to hopefully get us a show on MTV like Marco or something, you know, <laughs> and chop it up and salve show or something. But uh, we're working on trying to become a host and stuff too. So Very that's dope. what I got going. Very dope. All of that will be linked down below. What you got? Uh, well, for me, um, I do music, right? So 
Uh, make sure you guys. What does that mean when people say that? Because I've been thinking that's like so, a so, so, that's like a disc, like a cop out when people say nah, I do nah, music. Nah. So so like to be honest, and child child will say this. Like I got some really dope stuff, and I know that's very cliche to say. Talk it, talk it. We're supposed to have been famous. I told him that I got my <laughs> like, notice typed up. Just I'm just waiting, <laughs> trying to leave. So like so I, so I caught y'all early. Is what you say. <laughs> so I'm gonna release this next year. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely am going to take my my musical career a lot more seriously than I okay. than I have. I just I've been doing myself a disservice, and the people around me that believe in me, and it's time for me to 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 do to do right by them. So what what what, what are you telling you oh, I love this is right holding up. you back? Like what are you telling yourself? So this be, is holding me back. So I'm gonna be honest, and then I'm gonna shout out my IG stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me. I'm a perfectionist. And so I do my music at my house mm-hmm. by myself, mix, master, record everything. And so the thing is, is that as soon as I hear something, like as soon as I make it and then I'm, I'm like, mm, okay. But then I'll hear somebody that I'm very like, for example, like, let's just say Drake, for example. And I listen to some of the music he's putting out. And then I hear my stuff. I'm like, such a big gap. So then I start questioning myself. I doubt myself, right? Because this is my art. Because imagine if you're in there working on something and then somebody hears it for 30 seconds and they turn it off. That, that eats me a lot. That internally it eats me a lot. But then I have to sit there and say, okay, cool. You, it's just you. That's just one person. It's 8 billion people out here, right? So I have to start blocking that out and just keep my tunnel vision. Because And it's funny because every time I put out music though, People always have something positive to say to it, Imagine but that. it's but it's me that's fighting my own self. So I'm the reason why I'm not where I need to be, and I need to do a better job of that. Yeah. So because of that, follow me <laughs> at Instagram at yvv as in Victor uh, underscore s a v v i. I go by Savvy when I make music. Um, dollar sign a v v i on the podcast is just an S because they don't give a certain certain uh characteristics characters we can use but AVVI. and follow the chop it up podcast show on uh, on instagram edit and uh like and subscribe to our youtube yeah so uh my my partner owns a studio about five miles from here bangalore studio salute down he's produced for big and little names okay i'm just you know it's a lot of a lot yeah, of that's dots why connected. You know that's why we can I'm just trying it's to get sin on that email, man. This, this <laughs> should be my job. This should be my job right now. He got to change the date. He got to he got to update it to 2023. That John say 2021 right now. Man, I'm telling <laughs> you, I, I want to wake up and be like, man, look, we got an interview today. Uh, tomorrow we got to be in New York. You know, yeah. I, we got to get it rolling, man. As long as you're ready, man, you ready. You know, a lot of artists tell their stories in their music. Um, I'm gonna say this and I'll let it wrap it up, but. We were sitting in Apple parking lot. I think this was 2020. Oh, man. Sitting in the car. I, one of the iPhones came out. We went up to Apple. Get mm-hmm. a phone. It was 11. It was 11. Yeah. yeah. We, the iPhone 11 just came out. We sitting in Apple. He's like, yeah, you know, I make music. Before listening to his music, I ain't never really get local artists a chance. I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I hear it. Uh-huh. Yeah. What, what's up with this phone, though? Right. So, hey, man, play the song for me. I've been asking that man about that song since that phone came out. I yeah. said, hey, what's, what's that song you play? You, you can send that to me. Yeah. You put that on the album or something like that. But his music is really good, man. Like, I'm just not a local artist person. I've yeah. never been, you know. It's like, I feel like people who make it in music, they did something different to get there. But 
Man, I, I gave his music a shot, man, and it's different. Love to hear it, you know, if it ever come out. <laughs> nah, it's oh, coming out. It ever come out? Yeah, it's coming now? out. Coming out, actually. I'm going to put a stamp on it. Uh, it's coming out September. My it's birthday September. September 8th. Yeah. More connections. Well, my dad's fine. birthday September 26th. So it's a special thing for me. I think this will be a five-year. It's crazy as I'm saying that, but that's like a five-year anniversary. It's out there now. Yeah, it's out there now. It's so. going to be at least one single album by September 26th. I don't Dr. Dre and wait 20 years. Oh, no, no, no. I got too much to say. <laughs> mm. All right, what I got? I got um, the DearSunPodcast.com. I don't promote that enough. There's merch there. There's my ebook is there. Um, salute to my, my partner, uh, Jay Black. <laughs> People think that he got kicked off the show or he left the show. No, people. We be lifing. <laughs> he actually, my son and his son, he took them to basketball practice so this could work out, right? Oh, okay. Like, he lives right there. Okay. Like, we really, <laughs> he's my my co-host because I see him in real life. That's so crazy. And we had these conversations, so. You say he lived right he there? He lived right there because yeah. he lived right there with me. He lived right there. I could literally there. walk yeah, to his spot. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Yeah, you could. You yell loud enough. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. This was not coincidental. N- none of it. And none that's the thing. Like, was, I don't, this was destined. I don't ask a whole lot of people to be on a podcast, not that this is like the pod, this is a mission. This is not about popularity for popularity's sake. I don't I, I don't care about names. I know names, right? I just care about people that are willing to share their story in the effort to help somebody. That's why I'm in life. Coincidental. I'm not trying to go over time. So me and him realized that we have a number that's very like uh, symbolic for both of us in mm. our own different way. Um, so for me, I have 25 tatted on me. That was my dad's uh, major league baseball number. I think he was born on 25th. Right. I stamp everything 25. I felt that's on his clothing. Coke his clothing 24. brand got 25. I was 25. <laughs> it's crazy. It's gonna go. <laughs> my mom. It's when she played at high school ball, I never seen this picture until this year. She randomly sent it to me. Her jersey number, 25. It never is. seen it in my life. So I don't know. I've had people in high school I'm, I'm cool with to this day. His his brother passed away. His number was 25. Never met him until yeah. we got to high school and we all got some type of interconnection, some type of way. The universe is crazy. You know what I mean? It really is. But uh, I'm a firm believer that Obviously, there's a higher power that's, that's, that's making that happen. Absolutely. For sure. So, Well, you guys have, uh, you're welcome, right? Got the two for one special today. Uh, again, appreciate Chapo Sav coming up and chopping it up with us. <laughs> you see what I did there? Um, <laughs> like, share, subscribe, people. I don't say that enough. It does matter. Uh, thank you for the comments. Thank you for the feedback. Um, whatever platform you're getting it, as long as you're getting it, uh, I appreciate all of your responses. I think that's going to do it for us. We appreciate you guys. God bless you. Peace. They tried to count me out. I'm going to count me in. Fill up my bank account. Now I got something to spend. I just pull it out and count for nothing when I'm feeling great Give my baby little mom just to spend it eh? And I'm always on go, I don't hesitate You still always know I make it eh? (laughs) 
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.